All right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome to Investment Banking Insights. My name is Alex Mason and I am your host. This is the show dedicated to helping you learn both the technical and non-technical aspects of investment banking. And we're going through it, y'all. We're going through discounted cash flow analysis, studying all the basics, soaking up all this knowledge so that when we get there one day, potentially to a desk working at a bank, we actually know a little bit of what you were doing. And of course, there are things on the job that we're never going to learn from a podcast, right? And we're never going to learn from watching YouTube or reading a blog. There's always going to be that real life experience that is necessary for our growth as a professional, but we can get some foundational knowledge in in the meantime so that we're ready. And I'm here to help prepare you for that journey. So what is today's episode about? Well, we know we've been talking a lot about terminal value. There's a lot of considerations here. I mean, DCFs are a multi-layered process with a ton of different assumptions. And so that's why we're breaking this down bit by bit. But within the terminal value portion of this entire process, we have another question arising. What is the flaw with using public comparables for terminal multiples. So when we're looking at the multiples method in the terminal value calculation, we're looking at public company comparables and precedent transactions data. That's what we're doing in order to get those multiples. But what's the flaw with this? What are some things that could be a problem here? Well, remember that when we build a discounted cash flow model, what are we doing, big picture? Well, we're looking forward into the future to see how much cash a business is likely to generate. And we must remember also that the future becomes more and more unknowable the further out we look. If I asked you, hey, what do you think you're going to be doing one year from now? You might have a decent idea of what your life will look like one year from now. But if I say, hey, what do you think your life will look like 15 years from now? I mean, you probably have no idea. It's just too far out. It's too far to predict how things are going to turn out. <laughs> as much as we humans like to think that we can predict the future, we really can't. And history shows we're really, really bad at it, especially at very long periods of time. So keeping this in mind, what do we do? Now, when we're using multiples from public companies in your analysis of terminal value, you're taking this snapshot in time of what's going on in the market. So let's say you're using the multiples method, you're trying to calculate your terminal value, you go through some public company comparables, you say, okay, company A is kind of like the company that I'm looking at, company B is kind of like the company that I'm looking at, and what are the multiples of those companies? And are we looking at levered or unlevered free cash flow? So you're kind of doing this analysis, but it's just this moment in time. So let's say right now, I'm recording this episode in 2023. In 2023, I'm grabbing this data. Now, let's say that 15 years from now, which might be in the terminal value, quote unquote, time period of cash flows for this company, things have changed. The world has changed. Multiples of relative companies, they might be quite different from what they were when the model was built many years ago. If it's 2037, maybe the multiples of these types of companies are completely different. But see, the model was based on the data that was gathered in 2023. You see what I'm saying? So this is a flaw with using public company comparable multiples in the terminal value calculation. Let me give you a quick example. 
So think about a cyclical company like Boeing. Now, Boeing, you may be familiar with it. You may have flown on their planes before. Boeing builds planes. They do a lot of other things too, but primarily they're known for building aircraft. And they're one of the best airplane manufacturers in the world, in spite of their challenges over the years. Now, the multiples for comparable plane manufacturers, they might be high or they might be relatively low at the time a DCF model is created. Let's say we're creating a DCF model for, uh, for another airplane manufacturer and we're using Boeing as a public company comparison. So that entire multiple paradigm could flip on us years and years down the road in our terminal value calculation. So multiples that were high may become low, multiples that were low may become high. It just depends. And so it's really actually kind of dangerous to use this method to calculate terminal value for cyclical companies because when you build that model, if you imagine kind of a a wave moving up and then moving down, moving up and down, like these cycles. When you build the model, you might be at a certain point in that cycle, but you don't necessarily know when. Maybe you're at the top, maybe you're at the bottom, maybe you're somewhere in between. You don't really know when it comes to cyclical industries or companies. Now, there are drivers that you can gauge to have a decent idea, but you're never going to know exactly if you're at the top of the market or exactly if you're at the bottom of the market. And likewise, years later in the future, when you're looking at the terminal value of a business, you don't know exactly when, uh, if you're at the top of the market or the bottom of the market then either. So you're kind of blind, you're kind of flying blind at both parts of this, both in the near term when you're building the model and in the long term when the terminal value uh, time frame is realized for this company. So that makes it quite difficult, actually, in order to understand this and, and use public company comparables in an accurate, reasonable way. So the point is, cyclical, cyclical companies, it's going to be really difficult to use this method for terminal value based on what I just described. So you might want to go with the Gordon growth method, or if you do use multiples method, maybe have some other factor in your analysis that can compensate. But that is what I got for you today. Just think about the flaws when using public comparables. And then more broadly speaking, think about the flaws with all of these things that we're talking about here on Investment Banking Insights. No method is perfect. And remember, a model is just a model. There is a mental model that I love called the map is not the territory. If you were to have a very detailed map on your phone of your city, that is going to tell you where certain streets are, where certain landmarks are. That map, as detailed as it is, is still not the exact reality of the real world. And so no matter how good your map is or your model is, it's never going to completely reflect reality of the companies that you're analyzing. So always question your assumptions and always understand the limits of your assumptions, because if we understand the limits of our assumptions, then that's going to make us better bankers, it's going to make us better analysts, and, and just help us be more logical thinkers. Okay, so with all that, that's what I got for you today here on Investment Banking Insights. Keep joining me for more of these these questions, these answers, diving into technical details, and we're going to keep going through DCFs. 
So until next time, have a great day.